0: hello everyone welcome to episode 10 of the deer horn i'm your host jay ryan and this is a Seattle lombard podcast for the curious and committed uh, just wanted to get a couple things out of the way real quick before we jump into today's guest folded note records recently did a second version a more pinker version of my album do too and then i also recently did the ambient vault podcast the ambient vault podcast is a it's a musical podcast that features a different artist or artists or groups, whatever, on Sundays, um, generally in the ambient vein. And Brian reached out to me to do that and I was super stoked. So there's a, a little EP out there if anyone wants to check it out. And just shortly after uh the Lifted Index released an episode with them as well and it was amazing. Uh, a lot of the past guests and future guests have been on that show, so I, yeah, if you're a fan of the vibe of this podcast and the artists that come on, uh, you, you should really go check out the Ambient Vault, and we, we appreciate you doing that, Brian, thanks. Today on the show, we've got Mr. Tim Held, who some of you may know from uh, the Podular Modcast. Tim reached out to me a little while ago to do the Podular Modcast, which was pretty surreal, but... We got to talking and he's like, well, why don't I do your show too? And we did both episodes in the same sitting. So I recommend you check out my episode of PodMob before you, you do this one because uh, we're both comedy fans and there's some callbacks and and stuff that you might miss out on if you didn't hear the other episode And in this episode, we talk about everything from Bright Eyes to Brian Eno. Um, We get inside baseball on podcasts. We talk about Tim's first banana patching experience, as well as uh, some deep insights on his time with the plum butter. I sent him my plum butter over just to spend some time with before we did this show. And uh, big day for Tim... Well, I mean, it'll be not today when this comes out, but he recently released his first module, which is the Bleep Bloop 2000, and uh, he sent that over for me to demo, but I unfortunately don't have a Eurorack case. However, the Bleep Bloop 2000 is out now, and it's a pretty funny and awesome module, and I just wanted to say congrats, Tim. Um, I hope it does well, and I appreciate you coming on the show, buddy.
1: like you, I started, you know, with like guitar and and rock music and I played, I I, like, I even tried the, I was doing the singer songwritery thing for a long time, acoustic guitar and just, I spent most of my college days, my musical output was just me singing in a kitchen by myself. Like
0: Dave Matthews?
1: No, no, definitely not. But um, equally embarrassing on, like, on another end of the spectrum, a lot of Bright Eyes. Uh, oh, okay. Neutral Milk Hotel. You know, I, you know, I was a, I was a, a college student in the early aughts, so you know, that whole indie thing got me.
0: Can I just say that? I feel like that is more embarrassing now than it was then. Totally. And at, at the time, that was like the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, I just think that yeah. era aged a little strangely, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, just the, the the extremely uh what's the word I'm looking for the the extremely earnest like I am so fucking bummed out, you know, like and just so earnest about it and you know, like I've suffered from depression since I was as long as I can remember and you know, if there's one thing I could go back and tell myself, like as much as you love Connor, dude, he's making it worse. Like <laughs> <laughs> Cause that shit bums you out. Like I can't, I can't listen to that stuff anymore. There's some, there's some Bright Eyes that I still do, like the later stuff where it's not as like, eh, like he's not singing as much like a goat, and it's not like just about how sad he is. But um, yeah, I can't, I can't really get back into that lane anymore because it really just brings me back to feeling super bummed out. And um, that's kind of pertinent to to this question because I think what really one of the things that kind of drew me into getting into electronic music, and and ambient and experimental stuff, was the lack of, the lack of um, lyrical content that could guide my emotions and plant, you know, very specific thoughts in my head. So it, it was easier to, I think, for a long time, I, I I just started. I was like, if my depression was particularly bad, I couldn't listen to stuff like that. Because it just, yeah, wow, just really did like suck me in too much. So I think, I think getting into to electronic stuff was part of that. Um, I think another part of that, you know, like Brian, you know, it's pretty cliche, but like Brian Eno's ambient stuff was was like my introduction to like, you know, oh, music doesn't have to be verse, chorus, verse, you know, chorus, bridge, and stuff like that.
0: I, I don't think that that's, like, cliche even, really, because I think most people would still agree that that Brian Eno is, you know, great and oh, important. Oh, for sure. Oh, absolutely, and, yeah. And, like, you know, we talked about on the Pop Mod app, but a, a similar thing to you, I had seen Brian Eno's names all over rock records. Totally, uh-huh, uh-huh. And yeah. then, so when Music for Airports was in the Dollar Bin... Uh,
1: you found that in a dollar bin?
0: I don't know if it was a dollar Holy bin. Holy shit. But, but it, it was like a cruddy condition one uh-huh. in, in the pile. It wasn't wasn't flashed in front of my eyes trying uh-huh. to lure me in. And, and I found it by accident. But anyways, all of that was to say that uh, that was my introduction to... That kind of thing as well. I used to just use that album to soundtrack cleaning my apartment.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah,
0: <laughs> mine was Discreet Music. That
1: was the and well, it's I my thi-
0: favorite now.
1: Yeah, is it okay? That one, that one really pulled me in because um, and this is almost as embarrassing as the the Bright Eyes revelation. But my one of my favorite like classical songs is Pachelbel's Canon. Like I love that. I, like, a, if it's done by a quartet, like, I just really love that that song. And on the B side of Discreet Music, he did, like, these really crazy arrangements, like, super ambient arrangements of that song. And those are just, like, those really, really, like, got their hooks in me. Um, so, I, yeah, I, like, discovered that at the same time as Flying Lotus, Cosmogramma. Because I was listening, I had my introduction, like, kind of like you were saying, on your your podmod episode, your transition into electronic music was through like was it the chill wave stuff? Is that we? And so mine was kind of through like the uh, Ed Banger, like Daft Punk into like Ed Banger um, Justice stuff like that. Um, and then I found myself like I still like Daft Punk, but I found myself wanting to find the weirder and weirder and weirder stuff. So I kept just going down that. That rabbit hole, and found myself at Autecker and, and early Flying Lotus stuff, and um, and that really unlocked something for me because my whole life I always, you know, felt weird in a good way. Like, like I was the I'm the weird, quirky person in my family. I was the weird, quirky person in my small town. Like, um, you know, had and, and it's not I'm, I'm not that weird. It's just I was from I had very little people around me. I'm weird in the sense that I like. Tim and Eric and DJ Doug Pound comedy, you know, so it's like a bunch of people are like that. So it's not super weird, but I felt weird because there wasn't a lot of people like that around me. So I always felt like there was something I wanted to express musically and I never ever got to that point where I felt like I was accurately self-expressing via rock music or the singing and songwriting. And it was really through making my own electronic music is when I finally was like, this is what I've been trying to get out forever. Um, and then, you know, make, making friends in this scene, Greg Markle from Recovery Effects is uh, one of my best friends. And he he's like one of the three people that were really telling me, I had three people at the same time telling me, you have to get into modular because of the type of music you're into and the way you like to make music, you have to get into modular. And I was really resistant because it was so fucking expensive. Um, and I finally, you know, was able to get in, into it and build a small rack Um, And then I just talked about it so much, and I just wanted to talk about it so much that, and I've always, like you, love comedy podcasts, have always wanted to start a podcast, but never had a reason. Now I had a reason. I could talk about modular shit with people. And it was, at the time, there were no other modular podcasts. Um, Ben Wilson had done one, but it it was like a year since he released one. He wasn't doing it anymore. So... I was like, Oh, I, I can corner this market too. So I had listeners almost like right away because there was no modular podcast. So I think my first episode, I had a couple hundred people listen to on the first episode because there was just nothing out there. So that was, it was, I, I was really lucky to get, well, I guess Mylar, Mylar was doing it. So I remember I was recording episodes. Sorry, this is so long winded. Um,
0: I say? think that's what they're here for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um,
1: I, really, I really wanted to bank a bunch of episodes before I released anything because I didn't want to be scrambling every week. So I made a deal with myself. It was five or ten. I forgot how many I ended up recording before I released. So I was recording them for months before. And I remember for that, that stint of, uh, I think it was like 2017 or 18, being really nervous that somebody was going to beat me to a modular podcast. You know, I was really fucking nervous about that, and Mylar did. Mylar launched uh, Why We Bleep in January, and my first episode came out in March.
0: Well, at least he's nobody.
1: Yeah, no, (laughs) I was like, oh fuck. Well, my my podcast is done, and I I have to. I mean. Alex, if you're listening, I think I've thanked him for this before, and he didn't, you know, do it before me. But I have to thank him that he really only does them in person, and he releases them once a week or once a month. So, if he was going to do a weekly thing the way I would have done it, I don't think Podmod would have ever taken off. Um, so, thank God, Alex is once a month and only in person. <laughs> so that's 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 the that's the the elevator pitch in a tall building.
0: Well, it's, it's been a while now. What, that this was how long ago?
1: That's three and a half years.
0: How does it feel to still be doing it?
1: You know, something I've been thinking about a lot lately is... And, and I'm not... This is going to sound kind of like... I don't know. For I don't care what it sounds like. This is what it is. Because I am such a fucking, like... I'm kind of like a procrastinator. I'm kind of lazy. I'm kind of ADHD. It's hard for me to, you know, finish things. Um, I can't believe I've done this on this schedule this long, but that was why I decided to do it. And because I love podcasts and I love weekly podcasts, it was very important to me that it was weekly. And I found myself because of like depression and stuff like going months without being creative. And that made me feel more depressed. So I kind of did it to myself to keep myself honest. And I knew if I told people that it was a weekly thing that I would have to stick to that. And because it, people started listening to it like pretty early, um, I couldn't stop, you know. I was like, oh, there's already yeah. people like expecting it every week. So I I I have kind of like imposed this thing on myself, which I'm so happy I did it, you know, cuz it's it's uh yeah, it's it's like been it's the best thing that I've done. And it's and it's it's so much fun to get to talk to new people. I've made I've made so many good friends because of it, you know, like you like you, like me and you chat probably at least once every week or two like and have like pretty substantial chats via Instagram and we've hung out in person and um, you know, become friends with, you know, Abe from AI Synthesis and Eli from Mystic and and Eric Schlappy and, and Lisa Belladonna and Daedalus. Like people that like I've looked up to that I now like kinda have regular I mean some of these people I haven't met in person, but but, like you said, one of your best friends who you met through Deerhorn, you haven't met in person, but it's still like strong connections and stuff. Um, so it's just, I feel so lucky for that.
0: You know? Well, I think the funny thing now, too, is like the way you talk about like people like Lisa Belladonna and whatever is like you've become uh, a face and a personality uh, on that level, too. And, and I think <sighs> by, by doing what you do, like, um, you realize that we're all just human beings, you know what you can interview me or Jamie Liddell or whatever. Yeah. And have a good conversation because we're all just human beings with, you know, modular interests.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, thank you for saying that. I'm, I, I, I can't accept that I'm in the same echelon as Lisa Belladonna. She's an absolute legend. But
0: Yeah, yeah. I didn't mean that was no <laughs> n- nothing against uh Lisa. I, I just meant more in the sense that <laughs> you know, you came from what like you said, you, you weren't kind of anyone and it grew quick and now I think like your sense of humor and your vibe and your personality is something that a high number of the community is pretty aware of. Well,
1: that's that makes me feel good because it is like this weird like, I can only see like the, the metrics of like you know, my podcast provider or whatever, you know, I can see how many people are listening and then, you know at first I was like are these numbers right? Because not very many people reach out to me. But then I was thinking like how often do I reach out to people who I'm a huge fan of? Like not that often. So it's sometimes I feel like sometimes I, I, I don't feel like what you're talking about. It's just feel I like I'm just sitting in my messy living room and I get to talk to somebody today and then I gotta oh I gotta I don't know it's um I, I even,
0: believe that's called being humble too. <sighs>
1: <laughs> I, w- I wish I could take credit for being humble. I think it's actually me just being kind of a like a dipshit in a way. Like there, I can't unlock that part of my brain, and it's good because there's definitely a part of myself I had to like squash when I was in like rock bands and stuff. That had kind of like I was in a I was in the only band in town, so I was the 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 medium sized fish in a very small pond, and I fucking acted like it. You know, and and it it grossed me out. So I'm just like thankful that whatever it is about this, this medium and this this community, I don't think this community really like suffers, you know, rock star mentalities and stuff like that. So all all of this is working in my favor. So I cannot take too much hum I can't eat too much humble pie. Is that how you use humble pie? If you I eat have humble No idea. If you eat humble pie is that you like eating crow? Now I'm off on a tangent. But
0: um <laughs> We're, we know the tangents, Tim. Yeah.
1: <laughs> do I do that? Is that something
0: <laughs> You you've went on a few tangents. <laughs> I mean over how many episodes?
1: Fuck man, 160 something.
0: That's nuts, dude.
1: That's the thing that I look at. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? How am I doing this? Am I allowed to cuss?
0: Yeah, yeah, go yeah. here. Um, I mean, I'm not gonna change the rating to R, but if Apple gets on to you, I'll just send them <laughs> your way.
1: Or, um, what? <laughs> yeah, it's and and uh, yeah, I, I I I forgot what we we're talking about already. I went on a tangent.
0: We were just talking about kind of the success of Podmod and you, kind of becoming uh. Uh, what's the the word I know you love? synthluencer. Uh, like synthfluencer. Yeah,
1: I'm a fucking synthluencer. I think that's so funny.
0: And <laughs> that's the worst.
1: It is the worst. And 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 there's a part of me that is just so like there's it, there's just such there's a fine line of this all getting gross, you know, like totally. Instagram and and having sponsored content and and all of that like there's definitely a part of me that suffers not suffers but like gets confused about where i draw these lines and and basically i just try to be as like true to like my tastes as, as i can and i like if if i like a company it's like most of these companies are small one person businesses like yeah i'll i would I'll, I'll pump their shit you know i'll i'll definitely try to help help them and spread the word um, and uh, but all that said, like like I w- if if me undies did come knocking, like if there was a way to make PodMod my only job, I'm selling out, dude. But content won't change. I won't change the content, but I will I will sell products that I would use, like me undies or something like that. You know.
0: This episode has been brought to you by Manscaped 3.0. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: But also there's a part of me that doesn't like with the, like between Patreon and the sponsors that I have, I am pretty proud to say that like all of the sponsors have been from the community, you know? And as, as I do joke about the MeUndies thing and, and, but I could get, I could get on that. I could get those sponsors cause you don't have to have that many listeners to get those, you know, there's all these, there's all these, um, like mid-roll and all these things that you can sign up for. And I could probably make a couple hundred bucks selling, you know, whatever I, ch- you know, there's probably a list of people that I would be okay with, you know, reading and letting them play their ads on it or something. But it's like, this is where I, I, I feel like you and I have a little bit of a punk rock, like ethic about us. Like you not having a Patreon because of the reasons that you don't. And like there, there's something that I really like about, if I can be sponsor if I can keep this show afloat by helping promote stuff that is pertinent to this thing that we're talking about that's that's pretty cool you know
0: yeah and I think I mean obviously it it has grown in that sense too since you've started you know Mm -hmm. like I, I and I know you still have some of the original sponsors but you know I I think you've there's slowly been more and more, and other opportunities from bigger companies within our scene that are mm-hmm. still respected and whatever. And, you know, like it's pretty crazy that you did what you did and it's here.
1: I feel that sometimes. But do you, but do you feel that with what you're doing too,
0: though? Don't you feel that? No, because it's harder when it's you. You started from like, no one doing when I came into the scene, I had Kyle and you and a few other things to help me out. Right. you were kind of like you kind of made the path and then we all just well sort of you know
1: well to 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 be totally fair, i I came on and I had you know maybe one episode out um, and Ben Wilson, div Kid. He reached out to me and said, hey, if you need any help, if you want me to come on the show or whatever. And that was fucking huge. I think it was episode 15 or something. Ben endorsing it super early definitely gave me clout enough to get other people to then lend me their clout. You know, I I got bigger guests, I think, because Walker Farrell was an early guest. You know, uh, I, I, you know, Tom Hall, I think was an early guest. So I had people like agree to do this, that, so I definitely didn't, you know, that's, and that's, that's, that's the thing about this community. That's, that's what's like, so fucking crazy. Like I, when Ben reached out to me and now we're buddies, which tell me that three and a half years ago, and I wouldn't, I, that'd be fucking crazy to me, um, but when he reached out to me, I, I was thinking to myself, well, maybe after a year, I'll reach out to Divkid. Maybe he'll take me seriously. After, And he reached out to me five episodes in. So, and that's, it's just crazy. It's crazy to me.
0: It's funny, actually. I had a similar thing. Um, three episodes in, Nathan Moody reached out. Yeah, to yeah. And, think- and same thing. He was on my, you know, long-term list and whatever. But uh, I i haven't talked to him about this i hope he'll still be willing to do the show but i was kind of hoping to have him be the the one year anniversary he will absolutely the the 12th episode because um well just because i am such a fan of his and Mm -hmm. and i think like the fact that he did that says so much about who he is and what he means to this community totally yeah yeah
1: he was one of my early guests um and it's funny you know like Especially like like dataless, uh, I've had a few people like, "How did you get dataless?" I was like, "I asked," you know, <laughs> like just ask people, you know. Yeah, and it's crazy. Most of like I haven't met, you know, like the worst thing that I've got is like, nah, I'm not really into that. And it's like okay, there, that's not their thing. They no, like podcasts aren't for everybody. Not everybody wants to sit here and talk about themselves for an hour,
0: you know. Well, I think like that was the thing because I don't know that I mentioned this but you were one of the very first podcasts I got into period oh no shit oh I thought you were like in a comedy podcast for a long time and stuff no 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 no. it all kind of happened around the same time but um, I didn't realize it was a popular medium and I didn't mm-hmm. really care about it too much until I did get deep into your show and, and the comedy podcasts and everything. And then when it came time to start my own, I realized this. Not everyone listens to them.
1: Uh, yeah
0: <laughs> they're not they're not for everyone. But I think the people that do really appreciate it, you know.
1: Oh totally. Yeah. and and I mean I I've actually I'm coming to this point where I've for years have have listened to way more podcasts than music. And I'm, I've got this, like, big idea that I'm brewing in my head for, like, this next project I want to do. And I'm finding, like, I'm starting to, like, come to this thing where I'm like, you know what? You can't listen to four podcasts a day. Like, you need to listen to music so you can start thinking about your own thing. Because if you're listening to other people chatting about stuff, like, I've noticed that my brain kind of just sits idle. And I'm starting to wonder if listening to as many podcasts as I do is making me dumber. At first I thought it was making me smarter from hearing all these new perspectives from all these different people, but I don't know. Now I'm just like listening to a bunch of comedy podcasts and they're just talking about nonsense. And I'm like, how often is my brain doing creative stuff? You know, it's, it's weird, but I, I just love the medium so much. I'm like, it, it brings me so much comfort and it's the best thing to do when you're like doing like work and stuff. Like I just got into the H3 podcast with Ethan Klein. Do you know that one? I do not. That's a pretty good one. But yeah, me and you have a lot of crossover, I think. Um,
0: comedy. It,
1: comedy, yeah. <laughs> you see my ceiling fan and my low angle my bad lighting in here? <laughs> There's some uh, inside jokes for everybody who gets them. Um, but where are we? What are we talking about?
0: Well, we were really going inside baseball on podcasts. Yeah. The- I mean, it's, I, so I wonder about this sometimes, like, cause I've, I've had Jamie
1: Liddell on, I've had, you know, I've talked to Kyle, um, uh, who else? I've, I know I've talked to multiple podcast hosts, but like, it's hard for me not to like nerd out on just what we're talking about because we both do this thing. But then sometimes I got to remember, like, not everybody has a podcast and it's like, is it that interesting to listen to, you know?
0: Well, I mean, there's always. Uh, I I don't think it's too difficult to fast forward on. That's mobile true. Devices these days. Yeah. <laughs>
1: All right. If you've been fast forwarding past the podcast talk, we're 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 past it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'll make I'll make a note in the intro if you don't <laughs> want to hear us talk about podcast. I can't
1: uh, guarantee I'm done talking about it. I
0: was, yeah. I can't either. It's kind <laughs> of fun, right? Especially when, um, you know, or. Ours are pretty similar in what the goal is. Mm-hmm. I, I get
1: really excited talking about it to other aud- other hosts because it's definitely stuff that like I would like to like I would love to like me, you, and Kyle go get a beer and just us so we could really like dive into it without it being an imposition on you know other people being like oh my god these fucking guys but like you know.
0: Yeah, that, and that's the thing, like, classic podcast guy, too. We've got to record every conversation. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, that's... But, dude, uh, well, yeah, well,
1: yeah, when I first started, I wanted to record everything. I was like, who can I talk to? It's like... But,
0: yeah, yeah, I uh, speaking of Kyle, he's, he's going to be a bonus episode of the Deerhorn eventually, too, because I listened to this panel with uh, a bunch of people, basically. It was a podcast, but... It was like a panel of, of different synth designers and artists talking about and honoring Don Buchla. Mm-hmm. And they took questions at the end, or they asked questions, and one of them was uh, who currently is, you know, carrying on the legacy of Don Buchla, the spirit, whatever, and someone just yells, Peter Blasser! <laughs> <laughs> so I, I thought it'd be cool to have Kyle on and, and kind of compare Buchla and Seattle Lombard a little bit.
1: Can Now, because they're both banana jack, can you use them together, or do you have to make sure you have some sort of, like, interface between for voltages and stuff?
0: Uh, I, I think with those in particular, you're pretty safe as long as they're grounded. Okay. I, I thought I know, banana
1: jacks weren't grounded.
0: Well, they have ground jacks, so... Okay. So there's a ground banana. Okay. I, I, there should be, I think, a black one on the side of plum butter somewhere there, if it's nearby. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, like, if you had an easel, you'd just patch that to the ground jack on ah, the easel. And okay. then you can cross-patch. Certain things, like, uh, can be sensitive with negative voltage and stuff, but I, I don't think the the 208 bukla the easel, is too too sensitive. So you don't use them together. Oh, yeah. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. But I, I'm not like I see it all the time where people, especially with Seattle Lombard, will be on forums and be like, can I patch this in here? What if this? I don't give a shit. It's going in there. If it blows up, <laughs> fucking blows up.
1: That's kind of the spirit. I feel like that, that goes along with the spirit of, of Chiat Lombard.
0: Uh, well, like, you know, I get it. If you have a, a $5,000 Buchla instrument, you probably don't right. want to blow it up. And you can do your research and find things out. But in, in all honesty, like, I've I've never really done that research and I've never had any issue. And perhaps it's because the Seattle Lombard instruments are so uh, wild that then all my shit might be broke. I don't know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, as long as it's still pumping out noise, you know. As long
0: as it's fitting in my tracks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, this so thing's fun. Was So I guess um, in case for some reason, well, how would they know? No one would know this unless they follow you and me, I suppose. But I sent Tim my plum butter to play with before having him on the deer horn because... I thought having a guest on on the Deerhorn that had no idea what C.L. Lombard is might be a little strange. Definitely. And uh, <laughs> I mean, you've been a busy, busy person, but I think you've had some time to play with it. The first thing I'm curious about, is this your first time playing with Banana Jacks?
1: Yeah, I've, I've never even played with a Buchla before. So, Which you I feel and Kyle haven't of that.
0: traded yet. I know we he have hasn't not talked about that.
1: We've talked about it, but we have not traded yet. I'm really looking forward to that.
0: How do you like them?
1: The just the actual banana jacks. Yeah, like patching in general. Um, I think it's there is something just like very basically, just physically more pleasing about the way it feels to plug them in. I, I like the stackable. I like that you can, I like the cross stacking and like, it seems like you can stack them forever and it doesn't really matter. Like there are no buffered molts, I don't think in banana jack territory, right? Cause I think that has to do with something, Kyle's explained it has something to do with the lack of grounding or something like that. that yeah, that can,
0: was when you were on Source of Uncertainty. I yeah, think you talked yeah. about that. Yeah, so I guess I- were on I, yours, one of it.
1: Mm-hmm. So maybe I guess I used some bucla then, but that was mostly the Eurorack stuff.
0: The red panel stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I was just curious because I know for me the first time I used it was with the easel and coming from Eurorack, I was just like, Oh, this is what patching feels like. Yeah.
1: I feel like <laughs> I, I'm gonna break something when I plug them in at first. Because like, 'cause they're kind of they're kind of like bulbous in the center, so they like you have to kind of give them more of a push.
0: But you don't have to fully connect either, right? Did you know that?
1: Yeah, I did. I noticed that today when I was building a little something in preparation for this, actually. I was like, oh, you don't have to fully plug them in for anything to happen.
0: Yeah, like um, half the time my patches are like just barely sitting there. Or, or I'll just take a plug and like play the jack by stabbing it. <laughs>
1: That's pretty, and that seems really useful for just like testing as like, as you're patching, like, do I want to make this patch or for live performance, you know, like, you know, using like, cause I've, I've done stuff in Eurorack where I've like used the, the, like the, the patch cable and played it, you know, plug in and out, but this seems way more suited for that.
0: Yeah, because you can get the clicks and stuff with your own right? mm-hmm. a- And, like, just as an example, like, I have this thing, which is uh, Din Dat and Dudero Stuber. It's a Peter Blasser thing. Uh, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> this is a stereo filter. Okay. And all of these jacks are androgynous. Okay. Meaning okay. they can be inputs or outputs. Uh huh. And this thing has, like, there's no way to tame it. Yeah, but back to like the childlike play I was talking about when when you have me on your show, that's all I do with this is just take a cable and poke here, poke there, poke uh-huh, here, poke uh-huh. there until something cool happens. And
1: I'll, so it seems like I thought maybe the color code was the, so the color code is not across the pla across the the format. It's it's within a particular instrument because it seems like there's specific ins and outs on Plum Butter
0: yeah on the Seattle Lombard stuff, didn't and do like a like a side kind of extra obtuse thing uh-huh okay, so on on the Seattle Lombard stuff, it is like the colors do play a role and, and that's part of the reason like that I love them as well because I can patch instinctively based on color mm-hmm. once you know what's what right yeah,
1: yeah so i I kind, once I got there, I was definitely having a little bit more fun with it. But I have to, I have to be totally honest with you. The first couple hours I spent with it and I, and I kept telling myself, it's like, well, this isn't true because you don't know it. But I was like, I think I hate this thing. (laughs) (laughs) I was like getting mad at it. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, is I was like, and then I was plugging stuff in and I was like, okay, I made all these connections for this to happen. I was like, what the fuck? Um, and I was trying to find stuff online. It was before you sent me that, like, super in depth, like, cheat sheet thing, which cheat sheet is a massive understatement. Um, that's more like a fucking, like, tome. Um, but, like, I was looking on YouTube, like, how to use plum butter. And then, of course, like, there's a video of Peter Blasser, like, quote unquote, explaining what the plum butter is. And
0: Oh, that must have been helpful.
1: N- no. <laughs> so I was. I started and that was like kind of frustrating me too, which which at the same time I was like realizing like, well, this is I think what right what was frustrating me in the moment is what is alluring to a lot of people. And so I started respect I started like calming down and like trying to not look at it from whatever preconceived notions I had about what an instrument or a modular instrument should be. Um and so I think it's 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 I, I've warmed up to it, especially once I realized I could play audio through it. I think I I'll send you the one thing that I made that I'm like comfortable sharing with people as a piece of music I made. And it was me playing some samples from my Eurorack through through Plum Butter. But it, I thought it sounded pretty cool. Um, And I actually the thing that I patched up before we started chatting today, I'm like, this is one of my favorite things that I've done with it. Um, yeah,
0: that sounded pretty neat. I thought
1: yeah and it's i like that you can really what what it feels like to me my my sense of it is like with this if i was going to do a, a live performance i think i would start with about what i have patched up right now and bring a bunch of patch cables with me and the performance would be there'd be it feels like this opens itself up to a lot more live patching than Eurorack would is that is that true
0: I mean, I, I think that depends, I, I suppose that would be a personal thing depending on, you know, the artists and their intention because there's definitely a gamble with patching the unpredictable
1: Totally, yeah.
0: side of these things too. But yeah, like I think, like me personally now, I think within the first maybe week of owning a Coco Qantas, for example, I would never consider taking it live. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and now that I know it inside out and I know where it gets wild and what goes where or whatever, I could take it out and, you know, have a handful of cables ready to go. But but yeah, I think the other thing is what is like what we were just talking about where you can just poke the jacks, like bring a few anyways. Let's just see what happens. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. I still like that cheat sheet helped out a lot, but I still don't think I understand like, does it only really make like a total of like four different sounds?
0: Okay, so you've got the snare drum, which is one.
1: Right, okay, there's okay, snare one, and then there's toms.
0: <clears throat> yeah, or the gongs. whatever. Gongs, yeah. Gongs, yeah. right. And then people usually use those for like kicks or toms, sure. Or for layering with the snare to give it some body. Um, and then there's the AV dogs, which is just like stereo auto panning oscillators. Okay, okay. And then the deer horn's like uh, a dual oscillator where one's hard left, one's hard right, and you can control which one is active with your hand movement.
1: Ah, uh, okay, yeah, because the deer horn and the AV dogs to me have been the most perplexing part. And I don't even think I've used any of the the the, the leftmost jacks, and I don't know what the, the white and red button. I never got. I haven't got that far.
0: Oh, that's the gate sequencer.
1: The, uh, the on the far left?
0: Uh, the, all the blues? Oh, the blues is the VCA. So are, okay. basically, each of those volume knobs is, is your level control.
1: I see. That makes sense. And then
0: you have a, a positive VCA input and a negative VCA input. That makes sense.
1: Okay. Th- yeah. Once I discovered there was kind of a mixer, this mixer on the left, that that definitely um, made things more interesting. But I've mostly just been patching, like, uh, let's see, I'll show you, like, most of these brown jacks into the different gongs and. Um, yeah, that's, and then using the snare drum. So mostly making like percussive stuff. It seems like it's, like, it seems like it'd be really hard to do intentional melodic in tune stuff. Is that, like, can you a- get a- the I,
0: You can. I mean, it's probably going to be slightly on the drony side. Like, I know th- there's a few people that use it that way, like, uh, in their music and stuff. Like, my friend John, uh, mid-century modular who was on the deer horn he like loves trying to coax melodic mm-hmm. but also sort of crazy things out of it you can do it like I know I, I did a few YouTube videos where they were like mostly like drones and stuff that mm-hmm. were pretty and melodic and, and that, those videos definitely like got the emails like hey is is that easy to do on this and, <laughs> and for me it was but that You know, I I don't know that everyone's going to feel the same way about the patience required. And I wish I said this on on the episode we just did. But, you know, we were talking about gear and stuff. How fucking sweet would it be if you could buy patience? Yeah, (laughs) dude, I would pay a premium for that shit. (laughs) Right. Like, you know, like you just got an MPC one. So like 200 bucks automatically, you're going to sit down, read the manual, know all the shit, and it's not going to bother you at all. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I've always had this
1: fantasy of being able to take a book and, like, shove it in my ear and just have (laughs) all of the information in my head. Like, I just want to do that with, like, the MPC1 Bible. You know, it's like... Because, you know, once you... If I fully understood this, I wouldn't need anything else. You know? I could make any type of music I wanted and I could play it live and I could produce it, on it, and all of it. But to me... I've been reticent to get into. So like, that's a great thing to bring up. I feel like from the MPC one to the plum butter, these are opposite ends of the spectrum. Oh, are they? Ever- yeah. You know, and I've been very, very reluctant to pull the trigger on something like an MPC one, because I've always, you know, I just dove headfirst into modular. All my sets that I do are, you know, only modular. I've, I think since modular, I may have used like a, an external like synth um, or like a guitar or, pian- or a, a bass or something. But I've never done like external sequencing with a computer or MIDI or used any of that because I've always kind of that punk rock. But it's, but I, I was starting to realize it's just fucking dumb on my part. Like, because I was starting to, I'm like playing sets and like feeling like, oh, my set was not even one of the best sets of the night that person's set was way better. That person's set was way better. Well, yeah, because they're using like the technology that's available to do it's like to do awesome shit. Um, so that's why I got into this, but there's still a piece of me that is so much more drawn, even though I was really frustrated by this and it's not music, like the music that's coming out of it that I'm making on it isn't necessarily like the music that I feel like is coming from my soul. There's something that is just like, that sucks you in about it, you know, like, that and that and that's whatever that is. The opposite of that is kind of turns me off. So like like you're saying with patience, I w- I I really have to steel myself to sit down and learn the MPC one to where I could just sit here and fuck around with the plum butter for, for hours and not feel like I'm doing homework or something.
0: You know, like I found, um, I bought and sold a lot of gear in the mm-hmm. last. I don't know, we'll say five years, because I don't think I was too, too bad into the weeds uh, pre-modular, but... And the one thing that I found in that time that matters to me more than anything else is interface.
1: Definitely, yes, yes, I agree. I don't
0: care how the oscillator or the filter sounds, if I've got to go into 15 menus and assign a macro knob and type in a cheat code and hook up my PlayStation <laughs> and go for a bike ride to be able to make sound, uh-huh. I'm probably never going to touch it. I'm with you. Totally. And, and I hear this all the time because my favorite synth is still one of the very first that ever existed, which is the mini Minimoog. Mm-hmm. And, and the easel falls there, too. I think both Don and Bob, first time around, nailed it. Yeah, I think those, and this ties back to our our, our instrument com, um, conversation. So back then, performers were musicians first and foremost, and this is not to to throw shade at anyone who doesn't come from that background. Mm-hmm. But the interface on those instruments were designed for people who were used to beating on a drum kit or playing a guitar, where you know the knobs are big, there's a ton of feedback. And there's a limited amount of things you can do mm-hmm. just like a guitar without a pedal board. You don't have, you know, apart from the magic in your fingers, a ton of tonal range.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally.
0: And that's what I love. And that, and that was the hardest thing to learn from buying and selling so much gear is it, is its interface. And I, I think that kind of, for me personally is a big part of the problem with Euro rack, no matter how much depth and t- you know delay sampler granular whatever you put into a module it's still gonna be like a little too small for me to want to touch you know but but yeah I mean that was a long tangent that's just something that I'm passionate about and that I think you know like ultimately I have to want to play it I don't care what the, the spec sheet is.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you 100%. And, and that was kind of like, that's the double-edged sword that is uh, the plum butter for me because I look at it and I'm like, I want to play with that. But then when I start to play with it, I'm like, this makes no sense to me. And, and then it like intimidates me and it, and it like almost mocks me. Like, especially with like watching, you know, p- like videos of Peter Blasser talk and stuff, there seems to definitely be a little bit of a like, yeah, you fucking figure it out, you know? Like, which I respect, but at the same time kinda of pisses me off, you know? And that's and like that's all on me. I I know that's all on me. But I like yeah, I was just I, I was kinda of laughing at myself, being like, You're getting way too angry at this machine because it's really like you just have you tried to figure it out? Like I was getting mad at it before I even like looked at any of the cheat sheets. Or I was just trying to see what I could do with it, you know? And like that's not the best way to question. do it. <laughs> okay. Okay. I can't wait. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you think you would have felt the same way if you hadn't attempted listening to the Peter Blaster episode of the deer horn first?
1: That I think that probably there's no way that didn't shape.
0: It, it didn't help. Right? It didn't
1: help. No, it didn't. <laughs> it didn't. Um, I, I don't know, Peter. I don't, I don't, I, you know, I've only seen him talk on videos and stuff like that. And he's, uh, he just seems to be like one of those guys that's like on his, he's on his own wavelength, you know? And and I think uh, that's really, there's a part, there's a huge part of me that sees somebody like him and then it makes me feel like, oh, for lack of a, a better term, but I'm going to use a, a, one of the youth's terms right now, a basic bitch. You know, like a normie. Right. I feel like a normie. I feel like yeah. when I watch him talk and I look at his designs and and I feel like I get frustrated when I can't understand what he's saying or what he's talking about. Part of me, I think I get frustrated because I'm mad at myself for not understanding it. And then I just feel it, it kind of makes me feel like the type of person that buys art for their house at like, um, you know, at like a department store or something, you know? Like, like to I feel like to somebody like Peter Blasser, I'm like the equivalent of somebody who would hang live, laugh, love signs in my kitchen or something.
0: You know what I mean? <laughs> that is a, yeah, I, I do know what you mean for sure. And I, I feel that way with, uh, you know, not just Peter, but there's a lot of people who, you know, just seem to be on other wavelengths that I can't, uh, quite understand yeah and and it helps you know what this as as sometimes it can be troubling but i think at the same time it helps me uh stay grounded and appreciate being there
1: yeah yeah well it's, it's it makes me think of like growing up like there you you see interviews of some of your favorite like your favorite rock stars or whatever um and you know there there are lyrics I've always been a lyrics guy. So this is kind of like an analogy I use for, that's kind of a parallel to this is there are the people who write the lyrics and then somebody will ask them, what did you mean by this? And they'll say, what did it mean to you? And they won't tell you. And they'll say like, oh, well, I don't really, you know, I don't really know. It just came out of me or something. And like, and I, and people, and there's like a mystery to that that I think is very, very useful and it adds to like I love lore and I love mystique and and that's what that's that's one of the greatest things about art and like there there's the fourth wall is a very important barrier in a lot of cases. I I am just such like a I want to know everything and I want to share everything like I'm just the opposite side of that field and I feel like people who are really you know. Who are in more into the mystique side of things probably get really annoyed by people like me who want like if like I'm talking about Easter eggs hiding Easter eggs in albums I want to tell people about the Easter eggs that I hide you know and it's like well that's not much of a good Easter egg hunt if you're telling people where the fuck they are you know I
0: <laughs> no I, I, I totally I, I feel all that too and I think a lot of that comes down to how we're our own worst critic and whatever Cause at the end of the day like you know as much as like even when i had the interview with peter and stuff like i definitely felt that way a little bit but also he doesn't give a shit yeah yeah <laughs> totally know? yeah i could have talked to him about the weather and i don't think he's he's at home thinking about that so
1: well it makes me wonder like so like with like if if i had created something like this and then somebody like you created a podcast that was based around my creation i feel like i would feel like, I think that would, if it was good, if it was a good thing, you know, like, like your show is good content. You're a good host. You're not like cheese balling it up. You know, you're not, you're not giving it a bad name. You're doing it justice. Like, I feel like that would feel good and I'd feel proud about that. But like, part of me wonders, like, you know, these, these, these geniuses that are like, he's, I, I think he's probably literally a genius, you know, um, does it's, once you're at that level, does that mean anything? And now I'm picturing him listening to this conversation, which he probably won't. But if no, he is he won't. you <laughs> know, like is he just like what does he think of this is my my an- anxiety analytical oversharing open book mind like just like feedbacking on itself, you know?
0: Like, well yeah, just like hearing you talk is like uh, basically the same thing as hearing my thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had them, but uh, I, I think the thing is like, you know, he obviously hasn't tried real hard to, I think the, the lure and the mystique is his marketing. Totally.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's no way that he hasn't put any thought into Mark. I mean, he is a, he is entering the, the, the capitalist system, you know, like whether he's doing it to make a bunch of money is another thing, but like he has to make the money to keep it going. So he does want people to buy his instruments, you know.
0: Right. So I, I mean, I always had the worry because uh, when he was on the podcast, that wasn't planned. It was supposed to just be Darren. I know that kind Darren, of bomb- right?
1: bombarded you with that one, right? Yeah.
0: Um, but I, I think the thing is, is like, like I, I had the fear that you, you know, like maybe I would be doing a disservice by, uh demystifying these things a bit or having my guests do that. But, but the thing is with the deer horn is it's, it's like I said, it's not necessarily the sound of the oscillators and whatever. It's more how people use them in their works, how it inspires them, which I think is like its own specific uh, version of lure or something. It's, because
1: well, that, that's a service. You're providing a service to to and here's the thing like if that that concern that you have like oh well what if i am doing a disservice by demystifying it well people who don't want it demystified won't listen to your show so you're not demystifying it for anybody all only for people who are hoping to find a little bit more guidance on how, as to how to use this thing like i would love like a bare bones dumb like plug this into this and this happens that I would find that very useful and I would probably get more out of this machine if that existed you know
0: yeah and the thing is I mean if I had the option to do that with you I would have totally done that Um,
1: I I think it's better for this experiment of you sending it it, letting me have the full experience of like let's say I just bought
0: it you know so what I will say that I I think is part of your frustration yeah, this is just what I've seen from being a Seattle Lombard person and having the show most people before they get a plum butter and, and and spend that kind of money on something that is ultimately pretty fucking out there mm-hmm. will do a ton of research mm-hmm. and they'll have read that manual 400 times they'll have watched you know 15-20 YouTube videos Scoured all the forums and have somewhat of an idea going in, mm-hmm. and I think with you, you didn't know much about it. I knew probably nothing about didn't it. do any research no. at all. It was just loaned to you to maybe fuck around with.
1: Well, I did that on purpose too. I I, I don't I don't do a lot of research on guests. I don't do a, like I'll watch maybe half of a demo video of something that I want to get. I am I'm bad at. Like I have to, I have to do the hands-on. I can't, I can't really learn much about anything until I can touch it. That's I'm just like a kinesthetic learner. I think is is like that's my primary learning method, and that's what I find exciting about a new piece of gear. So like I intentionally did, and I didn't ask you any questions about it when I got it. No,
0: because I wanted even to like try, and I could tell you were like, no,
1: I want to figure it out. Yeah, I wanted to like even even. So I've, and this is another thing that maybe frustrated me about this. And again, this is all a reflection of, of my own shortcomings, but usually any piece of gear within just like looking kind of roughly at the manual, I can get to something. I had to do all of the patches. I had to do like four patch examples. So those like patch recipes that are in that I had to do like four of those before I started wrapping my head around it. And that to me for some fucking meathead reason felt like a failure you know, so like, like I can't express enough that all of my frustrations were all my fault. Like, I can't. And I, I, I was thinking long and hard about how I wanted to talk about this frustration because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't like, "This thing fucking sucks," because it doesn't. I fucking suck. You
0: know. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I would disagree with uh, both of those statements, <laughs> <Yeah>. but. <laughs> Uh, uh, I think the thing is all I was getting at with the like people doing the research is that because uh, I, I also see on the opposite end of the coin, someone will get one or or any of the seat at Lombard and two or three days they're flipping it. It's yeah. not for me.
1: Yeah, that seems right? like not enough time.
0: No, but I think like like for me, I was hooked right away. Mm-hmm. I haven't made a track without these things since I've got it. And you're talking to a guy that flips a lot of gear. Yeah, right, right, y- yeah. You know, they've been constants for me, and I continue to want to learn them and grow them and and whatever. But I, I think it's just one of those things. Like, it's it's if it was for everybody, you know, Siet Lombard uh, would be Moog or something. Exactly. It's it, it's not. Right. It, it's, you know, and, and the lure and the, maybe the... Uh, exclusivity if that's a word like maybe that's all part of it and I think it is yeah for sure and and I know that's certainly a thing in the book world and stuff and and I wanted with the deer horn and whatever voice I have in the community or the voice that I can offer people to just take that part away a little bit yeah I think well one thing I'll say about having you having a podcast
1: like say I know I mean this is all it's kind of, we can't really talk about my experience with this without you, but let's just say that I had just got this, right? And and you had your podcast, and I knew a podcast existed around this, but I didn't get it from you. I just picked it up because I was curious. That frustration that I had at the beginning, had if your podcast wasn't there, I probably would have been like, these things are not what they're cracked up to be or anything like that. But one thing that kept me going was like, like I know, I know. Jay, Jay's a smart guy. He's a good musician. He's messed with all the formats. He started a fucking podcast about this. So there's something to it, you know. That was the that was the big thing that was kind of like. And I'm like, Heimbach loves him. Nathan Moody loves him. You know, like Ed Ball wouldn't shut up about how bad he wanted one. You know, I'm like, there's something to this. You know, so
0: the other thing is, I think people have different avenues of. Of where they want to come in to see at Lombard. Mm -hmm. As in, you know, you can get the Coco as a delay looper thing. You can get the Sidrax or Tetrax and like mostly just play. Mm -hmm. And then the Plum Butter is the one that I sent because I think it's the most complete system in that universe. Mm -hmm. And and also the one that mm, probably, no, I, I don't know if I should say that, but it's definitely the most complete i would say and, and i thought the fact that you could use it for processing was you know if, if you had a hard time patching it to make sound you could at least stick shit in there and be like woo woo woo. Yeah. yeah
1: that's when i really started like having fun with it although like i said this patch that i built before we were we started chatting today i was like oh this is this is pretty fun um and i could i could take this somewhere um I definitely like now. Like now, I'm like thinking like oh, I kind of want one, <laughs> which I didn't think that was gonna happen.
0: <laughs> well, I'm in no rush to get it back. I'm pretty deep into a specific setup that will hopefully become a record right now. So my my setup is very fixed.
1: Okay. Well, when I send it back, I'm gonna send you a little thank you gift as well. So I really appreciate you lending me this like amazing and expensive instrument for so long shipping it, shipping your baby international, you know, like I, I can't, I, I, I wanted to make sure that I, I accurately expressed how much I appreciate that and how much I appreciate you dealing with my scheduling snafus to make all this happen. And yeah, like your generosity, uh, just, I just, I, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of still in awe about the whole thing. So thank you. This is so cool. It's so cool.
0: Hey man, no problem at all. Um I've always been the type of person that if I had cool things I wanted to share them. And, yeah. and especially if they're sitting around doing nothing. So it was no no sweat at all. I mean, it was my idea. So
1: <laughs> like part of me wants to see if I could like pull a little EP out of it just for just for fun, you know? Like cuz I'm going to you know me and me and Kyle are going to do a, a a swap and you know I'm going to try to record as much Bookle shit as I can um I think that would be kind of cool actually I think it would be cool maybe this is something we talk about off air but Kyle and I were talking about this because we were talking about doing our swap and I told him you sent me this and we were talking about if we all like did these swaps and we made like a super episode of all of our podcasts where we all made music with each other's systems or something but you already have all this stuff so like what could we give you that you don't know how to
0: use Oh, I don't have a Bukla 200 system.
1: (laughs) Does Kyle? Yeah. Well, you'll have to come down here for that. I don't think he'll ship that one internationally. You hear that, Kyle? (laughs) (laughs) You know what we should do? Once the the borders are open, we should all go to Vancouver Island and get, like, an Airbnb and just bring all of our synths and uh, just...
0: Well, Fucking. it's funny, you know, moving here, like the scene in Vancouver, I haven't found it yet. I'm sure it exists. Yeah. Um, And obviously COVID and whatever. But Victoria, which is on the island, I, I think is one of the bigger like modular scenes in Canada. No shit? Really? I, I mean, from what I see in buy and sell groups and events and whatever, I, I haven't been part of it. But oh. from what I can gather from social media, like I think... Victoria is definitely a place where like uh, a live pod mod episode slash concert would be possible or Dude, something. Dude, you know? if
1: that is true, like because I really, that, I've been I've been there once when I was a kid, but I still remember it being like a fucking pretty cool city. And uh, you can get there really quickly from, from here. There's the, the clipper and it's like a super fast boat that can take you up there. So I need to get that passport and we need COVID to get squashed. Um, but yeah, I'm so stoked that you moved to the west, the West Coast, and we can actually like we're like definitely close enough to be able to hang out like a couple times a year.
0: As soon as we can, we will. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty certain of that. We got to do a synth skate event. Yeah, I heard I heard the episode where you guys were talking about that. again, yeah. and I'm like, uh,
1: yeah, no. we'll save that for when the borders open because I, I I I couldn't in good conscience throw that without you being able to go. Well, I mean, you could, but I appreciate I'd it. feel bad. It wouldn't be the same. <laughs> I want to see you smoking while you're doing like a fucking board slide or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just keep an eye on my Instagram stories. There's, if there's a skateboard clip, there's a good chance there's a smoke in my fingers or mouth.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Um, should I play this little piece that I made? Okay, I could, I think I'm gonna just experiment here. I think I might be able to play it. Let's see. Can you hear that?
0: I can hear it like slightly muffled. I can hear that something's happening and uh, I can definitely hear that it's a plum butter.
1: So this is about as far as I can get on a plum
0: butter. So if I were to guess, are you triggering the uh, ultrasounds? Is that what's doing like the really high clicky thing?
1: Yeah, I think that
0: is what is doing the high click. Thing. Like the very middle section with the yellow outputs? Yeah.
1: So I'm messing with those. I'm, I'm doing some FM. The purple is FM, right? Yeah. So I'm modulating the top one there with... Uh, one of the orange CV outs, um, on the far right of the mixer side. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I just, I just know that I can make, I'm actually surprised how rhythmic I, I was able to like, kind of get this. It's all kind of like, it kind of works all together. Cause I've noticed that that's kind of hard to land on something where all of the stuff is kind of. But one of my favorite things about it is, like, just turning these these sequencer knobs and just completely changing everything.
0: I was going to say, like, you, you had a groove there with that initial thing you, you, you had going, but it was, like, so obviously a Siet lumber groove. Uh-huh, yeah. Like, I, you know, I know that sounds so well.
1: And now I'm trying to get back to it, and I don't... I never got the deer horn, like I never under which I felt really bad because like it's your the name of your, the podcast. But
0: I thought that was more uh, because it sounded yeah. cool versus it being like my favorite thing out of them. I mean, I sold my actual deer horn.
1: Uh, wait, you sold your deer horn? Wait, yeah. isn't that what this is on the right side of the plum butter?
0: that's like it, it is but you can get a standalone that's essentially three of those oh, so you have like okay. a a six oscillator synth or whatever
1: okay all right well that's
0: but yeah it was just it's too hard to tune
1: yeah that's my beat i figured i, I figured since we talked about it yeah. i should i should play it for a second but uh
0: yeah well oh, that's <laughs> that's the first i think the first live jam oh nice, nice. So that's cool yeah. that
1: said i think i want to try to make something on my Euro rack, and then process it through the plum butter. Yeah, there you um, go. And so I think I'll I'll send you a couple things and tell you what they are, and then I'll let you decide what you want to play. I think sure. if, if there's anything that I would want to play is just like some of my pre-existing music. Um, it'd be one of the the tracks from one of my remote performances. That's like that's like my favorite shit that I do and that I've done. Um, yeah. So like I have, I have a YouTube channel and I just go out and I make like these short films and play in weird spots. And like I played in front of a an erupting geyser in Yellowstone and in front of a, you know, a bison in Yellowstone. And I just try to find really cool areas to play and create little films. And um yeah, I'm just I'm just really, really fucking proud of those.
0: Well, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I've seen them. They're great. I know this, but I assume that was more for anyone that that isn't in Tim land.
1: Well, it's weird. I'm like, if I can kind of do like, this is a woe is me, like, oh, like I can't really complain about anything. But the weird thing is, is I have, it's hard to get people. I think I, in a lot of people's heads, I'm the podcast guy. So I don't think a lot of people come to me for music or video content. Like I get like, fractions, fraction like a small fraction of the numbers on my own stuff as I do on the podcast. And so like, I'm always trying to like, it's just this weird, like, it's totally ego driven, I'm sure. And I feel kind of gross even talking about it. But the re- the reason I'm trying to talk about these videos is I really want people to watch them because I think, I think I've done a really good job on them and it doesn't seem like they have I agree. kind of seen the light of day as much as I'd anticipated. But I don't even know what that means really. But yeah, watch my videos, it'll make me feel good.